Hi everyone and welcome to the Pama Podcast. I am James Prescott, your host. Welcome to the show. Uh, really great to have you all here and uh, I am delighted to welcome another guest today uh, to share their story and to talk about creativity and spirituality and a whole lot more. So welcome April Klingmeyer. Hi, how are you James? I'm good, thank you. Yes, it's a very sunny day here. Um, yeah, um, so um, not too yeah. far away from you, out in Ireland. Um, I guess just a hop, skip, and jump across the Irish Sea. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love Ireland. I, I was there a couple of years ago. It was a beautiful place. Beautiful place. I'd love to go back. Yeah, and where you would, where you kind of was, you're obviously not originally from Ireland, so where were you originally from? <laughs> I'm originally from Texas, actually. Um, I grew up in a small town in West Texas called San Angelo. It's extremely um, conservative. And uh, it's, uh, you know, it's a big town in terms of, of, of uh, comparing it to Ireland's big cities versus small towns. A hundred thousand people, which is, you know, nothing to, nothing to snuff at, but, um, I definitely outgrew it very quickly. Um, I, I understood by the time I was a young teen that, um, I needed to see the world. So here I am living nearly 5,000 miles away from where I originally came from, but I moved to Ireland from Austin, Texas. And before that I was in Seattle, Washington. So I have been moving around a little bit throughout my life a yeah. couple of years there in dallas texas and uh, i've actually lived in austin two different times so that's where i'm from <laughs> it's kind of a long answer for a very simple question no that's a really great answer i love how you've been around so much that's uh, that's fantastic um so much so much life experience um yes. and tell us a bit about the work you do and kind of the story, your story of how you got into that and how you discovered that. So thank you for asking me about that. Cause I love talking about it. Um, creativity is spirituality is the name of my movement. It's my moniker. It's the name of my business. Um, it's a philosophy that I hold very dear and arrived at through many trials and some really wonderful tribulations. Um, I guess it was a few years ago when I decided that there was something more for me. Uh, I was working at a job I pretty well liked, um, doing marketing and sales. Um, it's actually for a candy company, really delicious candy too. Um, and I just felt like there was something missing. I couldn't identify what, and I knew also that, um, I had been very burned out from a lot of my, uh, creative endeavors and interests. I actually, before I worked at that job, I had my own business as a fabric retailer because I was really into sewing and knitting and crocheting and nothing burned me out. Really, I found that, um, this is kind of a universal thing. Nothing burns you out from a hobby or an interest more than making it your full-time job. <laughs> so yeah. I did that for a couple of years. I failed miserably at running a retail business. 
And I went back into the working world and just decided I never wanted to do anything creative again. That it was a waste of my time, believe it or not. Mm. But it didn't take long. (laughs) It didn't take long for me to realize that there was something very big missing. And I thought for a long time that I was being called to return to sewing, but I just didn't feel like doing it. To me, sewing and fashion were my creative output. Like that was, that was all I knew how to do. It was what I was good at. It was the only creative endeavor I was allowed to do. Somehow I got that stuck in my mind. And what I realized over time was that I had other talents. I had other interests that I just let languish over the years. I enjoy public speaking. I actually excelled at that when I was in high school. I enjoy writing. Oh, you and I have that in common. Writing. We love to write. And I uh, I had this play living in my heart, like this play that I wanted to write. And I'm like, I'm not a playwright. So I hired a creative coach to help me birth this play. And, um, I wrote the play. I had written the play by the time I hired a creative coach, but I took on, um, the coach to help me get the play produced because really that was the hard work for me. It wasn't writing the thing. It was getting it on a stage and collaborating with people and fearing all of that, um, potential, um, creative resentment from my peers, uh, fearing um, betrayal from my creative partners, which did happen. I won't lie, but we navigated it. Um, But really, ultimately, we got that play on a stage. It did fantastic. Um, And it was one of the highlights of my life. And when my year contract came up with um, my coach, Actually, it was, it was before that it was, we had done about three months and that had come up and she asked me to sign up for a year of training to do creative coaching the way she did it. Um, her name is Melissa D'Antoni. She's the founder of a method called the fire tree studios, uh, creative alchemy method. And really all it comes down to is just letting your emotions out in a room where you can throw paint all over yourself and the walls and the ceiling and the floor, (laughs) but you're really kind of aiming at a large piece of paper in front of you and a large easel. And you can get as angry and as sad and as loud as you want. And the creative alchemy method is really more complex than that, but that's really what it boils down to. So I got certified on that method and started um, working one-on-one and with groups And that became very rewarding work, but I felt again, like there was something missing. So currently I am in interfaith seminary. I am in my, I'm just about to complete my first year of interfaith seminary. And then in 2022, I will be an interfaith minister. I'll be able to serve my community as a wedding and funeral celebrant, as well as really kind of formalize my um, already growing practice of doing ceremony and ritual and witnessing to individuals and groups. So I'm excited about that. 
a lot of the work that I do with individuals and groups is kind of taken a backseat to that. But all the while, I've been doing a podcast of my own called Creativity is Spirituality, where I talk to people who I encounter in the field. And that's pretty much my trajectory. Um, and that's uh, scratching the surface, really, of what creativity and spirituality is all about. Yeah, it's incredible. I mean, the more I've explored spirituality and creativity, and the more that I've, the more I've journeyed in the last few years, spiritually and creatively, um, and unlearned a lot of things and deconstructed and let go of certainty and all those things. Um, and the more I've discovered following my curiosity as well and doing embodiment, the more I realize that all of this stuff is connected. Spirituality and creativity are intrinsically connected um, um, because spirituality is about growth and growth is about curiosity. And curiosity leads to creativity, right? Um, it leads to you discovering new things. It leads to you making new things. Uh, there's, this, there's just a deep link between the two. Um, and it's really powerful. I agree. Guiding force yeah. of my life. So how did you, how did you discover these two things were, were so intrinsically linked and how did you first experience that? When I was doing the creative alchemy training and really letting my inhibitions go, just going hog wild on a canvas in front of me with paint and not caring how it looked. I was discovering things about myself through the creative process and through the spiritual process at the same time. And I really have to give Melissa credit there on helping me arrive at that particular destination along my journey, because it really was that process. And there are other processes. I mean, I, I'm working with all kinds of different things these days, but that process to me, it was, it was an in-depth study for over a year that allowed me to really set myself free, discover my own personal sovereignty in the ways that I can set up my own rules and my own laws for what it is I believe about myself and about my work. And when I started to see how connected all of that was, I started to see so clearly that anytime my spiritual beliefs were being oppressed, anytime that my person was being oppressed, like anytime that that was happening, it was my creativity that suffered. Or it was my creativity that rose from the ashes. And my beliefs have everything to do with what I'm able to, what if, with whatever ideas I'm able to generate and whatever I'm able to produce creatively. And and I say the word produce, um, I want to use, I, I can't think of a better word at the moment, but I do want to clarify that 
I really have let myself go from the idea that anything that I make, anything that I create is for an audience of me. And then from there, I have the ability and the power to share it with whoever I wish. And that same philosophy works for my spiritual beliefs as well. It's like I can drum up whatever beliefs I want about whatever I think God is, divine energy, the universe. And I do that for myself. And then I share it if I think it's worth sharing. That's really been such a liberating thing because I have, I was raised in an environment in, in evangelical Christianity in America, in South, in the South in America. Yeah. So that's important. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In the Bible Belt yeah. South. And um, I, uh, I had to break free from that hierarchy in order to survive. <laughs> I was going to say in order to thrive, but really to survive and yeah. then therefore thrive. And, and really all of the, it's interesting that that has come up here because so much that creatively fuels me and feeds me was verboten in church of Christ, the denomination I was raised musical instruments. I'm an accordionist. <laughs> and and back when I was a child as a pianist. Um and dancing, absolutely verboten. Completely forbidden and that is something that has been life-giving for me is dancing. And um oddly enough though, church provided uh one of my other favorite expressions uh an outlet for one of my other favorite expressions which is singing i love to sing um but you know only a certain way was allowed in church of christ no musical instruments of course and you know it had to be in the hymnal when i was going to church there i understand things have evolved things have changed i mean they're it's more akin to rock music than than um hymns these days but um Back when I was going to church there to, to be, to even listen to rock music was not something we were allowed to do. So, um, I've come a long way since then and, and I had to break free from paradigms and hierarchies to do that. And I feel like that journey is the same for people who are undergoing a spiritual transformation as well as a creative revelation. It just seems too parallel not to be entwined, if not the very same process for me. I realize that that's not going to be the, the case for everybody, but I found that the term, that the words creativity and spirituality resonates so deeply with most, most people I encounter. Not all, but most. Yeah. And one of the, yeah, I agree. And I mean, one of the things I found long ago when I was writing is, right, so writing is so much like life. Some of, some of the same principles, some of the same, uh, some of the same challenges, uh, are life challenges. They're, they're not just writing challenges. Like, you know, um, when you're struggling to, when you've got writer's block, or, you know, it's it's like, well, yeah, we have blocks in life to, we can't, we can't get things done. Like, the reason you have writer's block is probably something to do with your life, something to do with you. It's not. It's not just about writing. Uh, and I know this from actual lived experience that because I had writer's block for a long time and it wasn't anything to do with writing. It was 
is what somebody had done to me. It was me. It was some trauma that I had to deal with in therapy. Uh, and so there's so much that's intertwined. I think because I think we live in a culture where where we're we're kind of told our imagination. We're told to um, we have we start sort of unlearn imagination a little bit. Um, where we're kind of not where creativity is kind of stifled and you know um, it's all about certainty and you know uh, and there's no kind of imagination or freedom or risk and we need more of that because imagination is innovation it's like how do you get scientific breakthroughs imagination right even intuition sometimes people just know things are true before they can ever prove them even in their lifetime uh so because creativity i think and intuition are, are linked as well i think um so yeah it, it's all kind of connected isn't it it's all yeah because and what and what people make i've always said what people create is a reflection of who they are whether they realize it or not. Um, yeah. I completely agree. I really think that intuition is an enormous part of it. In my one-on-one work, that's that tends to come up most frequently is the need to hone one's intuition because it has so much to do with how you spend your time and energy. Um Intuition is all about that, right? It's all about making decisions about your own time and your own energy. And discernment, it requires it requires a skill that you have to grow, you have to build. And intuition, I don't I I don't feel like intuition came naturally for me. And in fact, if it comes naturally for other people, that's great. It did not happen that way for me. Intuition was something that had to be born from my experiences with trauma, honestly. Um, and I and I feel like that absolutely feels important. It feels important to the creative process for me. Um, and discernment even with the practical stuff, you know, it's about how you spend your time and energy. Well, you have to make decisions to make an investment, an investment in your creative, in in your creativity. You have to invest money in it. Um, If you're somebody that requires supplies for your um, creative expression, such as painting and um, fashion, particularly, gosh, you know, fabric's very expensive. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, writing is, is a little less expensive. You know, you kind of have that initial investment of buying a laptop or something expensive like that. But generally speaking, writing is a, is a choice of, is an expression of time. You know, it has a lot, it requires a lot of your time. And I also feel like that intuitive practice of patience. When you were talking about writer's block, that's really what kind of came up for me just now is, Writer's block is is truly an exercise in like endurance, patience. It's it's a matter of being patient, but also alert for when that inspiration strikes. 
and staying aware of your surroundings, which requires conscious presence. So these are all terminal. These are all terms that you and I are bandying about that are here. We're talking about creative terms and here we're talking about spiritual terms and we're starting to see a lot of these terms mixing together to make for a really fine melding between two ideas, creativity and spirituality that mesh quite well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they do. They mesh really well. Yeah. And actually I was thinking about when you were talking about drawing and painting, I was thinking about a time a long time ago now, this is 10, 15 years ago. Um, I knew I had a friend who was an art teacher and she wanted to try something that she was about to try with her students. So she invited me and another friend of mine over to kind of trial run with it to see if it worked. Um, and one of the things we did was close our eyes. I mean, we even a bit of paper and a pencil and we told to close our eyes and just draw whatever comes naturally, intuitively, whatever, uh, without looking at it. And I can t- oh my, I tell you, that was, it was such a powerful experience. I felt like I was really connecting with myself at a really deep level. I was connecting with my creativity. I was connecting with my intuition. I was connecting with myself, my core self. I was connecting to something really deep inside of me, which was not my con, which is not conscious almost. Um, I could feel, I literally felt it as, as I was drawing on the paper, something was being just unlocked. And after that, I ended up writing a lot of stuff the next few years. That was a big moment in unlocking creativity in me. And also it was a very intimate moment, um, a spiritual moment as well. Yeah, that was really powerful for me. Makes me remind me that I need to keep, I need to, need to start taking up uh, drawing again because, uh, um, that can often unlock my creativity. Yes, yes. I um, I really am not ever going to tell anybody to stick to one thing. You know, you're a writer, you're a podcaster, you're a, an avid social media user too, and you seem to have a gift with expressing yourself with words. But drawing is something that, you know, it's not – necessarily something that you do every day and and maybe it's not something that you've done for a while but I think that those types of things are the things that really unlock creativity like you're saying for me it's the accordion I'm not a fantastic accordionist I'm not I mean if I were to ask my teacher like where I stand in the beginner to advanced spectrum, she would probably say I'm a beginning and beginning intermediate. Right. (laughs) And I was never really that good at, at, at playing piano either. I, I was much better at at being a vocalist. So I focused on that when it came to music and, and being in bands and things like that. I always told people, look, I can play instruments just to get by, but really what it comes down to is my voice is my instrument. It's really what gets me through, but I always enjoyed being challenged. I always enjoyed having a little bit of that challenge, that um, deviation from the norm, having a guitar stuck in my hand when I don't play a whole lot of, I don't know very many chords 
and just being, you know, and then I also got into playing the organ when I was in a, when I was in one band back in the, or the mid aughts. I really enjoyed that too. I even got a junkyard organ and stuck it in my living room and just had a ball playing with that. I, I like those sorts of gentle discomforts, you know, like this, the idea of beginner's mind and, and taking part in something that you know you don't have to be good at. You're, there's no obligation, no expectation that you have to be good at it. In fact, the expectation and the obligation is, is that you're a little bad at it and that you can have fun. I mean, nothing's more fun to me than something like going to a bowling alley with a bunch of friends, knowing we all suck, but we all have a good laugh and we all share a lot of jokes about how bad we are at it. And we just enjoy ourselves. And I like to think of my creativity in that way as well, because it's just fun. If it's just fun, you're going to want to do that. And maybe if you're having fun sucking at something, you can find a way to have fun at the thing you're really good at too, and kind of keep that momentum going. That's the hope anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I think that's a really important point. It's not about being the best at something. It's not about necessarily about having a career doing something. Right. It's It's not about any of that. It's just what brings you joy. You could be like a really bad artist but if you love doing it well who cares just do you just do your best and enjoy it if you if it, if you if it brings you joy and life just do it anyway it doesn't have to be for anybody else like that's what i say to people who are writers like who are just journal or just write a private blog for yourself or something like nobody ever has to see it it doesn't have to be for public consumption it doesn't have to be doesn't have to be shakespeare it can just be what's what's in you and if it brings you joy do it that's why that's why i started this podcast really i was literally i was curious i was literally curious about what a podcast would be like what what it would be like to, to host a podcast what that could what i could do with that medium this medium and i just followed that curiosity i didn't have any kind of lifelong dreams of being a podcaster i just followed my curiosity and then it kind of realized i kind of realized that i actually enjoyed it and then I started to realize that maybe I was, might might be good at it as well. And um, but even now I just do it, I just do it because I love these conversations. I love these conversations that I have with people. That I get to meet so many great people. I get to learn from people. I get to you know. And then the whole like sharing it with people is just a bonus. Um, putting it out there into the world so people can hear it and having people hear it is a bonus. I don't really look at the numbers <laughs> um, because that's not my motivation for doing it. You know, if I get great numbers, that's fantastic. And I'm really happy and grateful that I, for anyone, everyone that listens to the show, literally. Um, it's such a gift. Um, and I'm grateful that it, that it has such an impact on people, you know, but like the beginning of me doing it was because I was curious and because it brings me joy. If it didn't bring me joy, I wouldn't do it anymore, you know, but it, because there's no point in doing something if it's not bringing you life, if it's weighing you down, if it's depressing you or, you know, if it's, if it's affecting your emotional or mental health or something, then, you know, don't just lay it down. You can always come back to it, you know. Um, and maybe that's what I needed to do with writing because I had a bit of a struggle with writing for a long time and um, it did become like that. Um, but I know, but I also know that I have stories to tell them and, 
uh, and books to write. I know that. I know that they're in me. I just, I just need to be in the right place to to get them out. So, yeah, that's a little um, little share. <laughs> that's awesome. You have you have no idea how many crappy novels are in my Google Drive right now. <laughs> My own crappy novels that I just have a really excellent time writing because it just gets me into my zone when I imagine scenarios for characters and things like that. And it took years of writing these crappy novels to birth what I think is a phenomenal play. By the way, I hope you don't mind. I'm going to pl- uh, plug it a little bit. It's not currently on in these stages. I mean, we're in COVID, but right before I moved to Ireland. I premiered it in Austin, Texas. It was incredible. It's called Breakfast at Joe's. Um, it can be viewed on Vimeo. If you pay a slight uh, ticket fee, I can make that available to anybody listening. Um, I can give you the password and you can watch the play on Vimeo. But Breakfast at Joe's was an incredible experience. And that came out of years of just playing around with my writing and not showing it to a soul. And I will never show my crappy novels in my Google Drive to anybody because they're just for me to enjoy. And maybe one of those someday will get enough tweaking and enough um, fluffing to maybe meet the eyes of an agent or something. (laughs) And, you know, navigating that whole rejection process will be a minefield for me, to be honest. (laughs) But um, one thing that uh, I really don't like about the way things are creatively for people is that we have so, so intertwined it, not with spirituality, but with, um, capitalism, you know, this idea that you have to be good at something is tied so intrinsically with this idea that you have to be good at something to survive, to feed yourself, to keep a roof over your head. So creativity, when you believe in the ethos of capitalism seems like a complete waste of time. Your discernment is completely going to be geared away from doing something just for pleasure because you're going to have to be doing anything to be better at it, to make more money. And so when people get, you know, creatively blocked or they think that creativity is a waste of their time, or they think that, um, you know, I don't want to play banjo anymore because i never got good at being a banjo player and I could never be as good as Steve Martin and I could never make money from it. And they just set it aside. They're robbing themselves of a tremendous amount of joy. And when has joy ever made us any money? When has joy ever put food on in our bellies or on our tables? It hasn't. And so we've deprioritized that joy. We've deprioritized our creative expression because in our world, that's not what's important. And I see that happening to the way that people view creativity. And I see that way happen for the people who view spirituality, not religion, because religion can be profited from. (laughs) So when we... um, when we look at the ways that capitalism has twisted each of those items, and anytime I talk about creativity, I'm also going to talk about spirituality because that's me. When we see the way that capitalism has twisted both of those aspects of our lives into something that has to be audience driven, has to be for other people besides ourselves. It 
completely robs us of the joy. And when you were talking about your podcast just now, I and, and for anybody listening, I can see James's face and he can see mine. I saw James's face completely come alive and his and, and just light up with this glow. Talking about this podcast because he enjoys the act of doing it and he doesn't care what the numbers are. As a podcaster myself, I completely relate. I love looking at the numbers and knowing that I can finally afford a candy bar at the grocery store with <laughs> the amount of the listens that I've gotten and the uh, less than a penny I get from each listen <laughs> from my sponsor. <laughs> but yes, I can finally afford a Snickers bar at the grocery because of the amount of people who listen. And actually, that to me is thrilling. <laughs> It really is because that means that over a hundred, well, maybe not over a hundred people, but people have listened to my, to my podcast over a hundred times. That makes me so happy. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, yeah, I know. It's it just, I'm, I'm always kind of, I'm always surprised and grateful when people tell me, oh, I listen to your show regularly or, oh, that episode really spoke to me. You're like, you know, it's just like, really? Wow. No greater thrill. It's like, it's amazing. It brings me such joy, literally. That brings me more joy than any amount of money, honestly. Um, Yes. When you hear people say that to you randomly and spontaneously, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's incredible. Uh, Yeah. And I would love everyone to have that joy in, in their art, you know, and I, I remember what Liz Gilbert said in Big Magic, that we should never burden our art with the responsibility of paying our bills. Like, right, because it can weigh you down, and it, and then it becomes a burden, and then it can, you know, and then you just don't, you don't even love it anymore because it's all about the money. It's all about paying the bills, right? And nothing wrong with making money from your art, and even making, even making a living from your art. There's nothing wrong with that at all. But actually, quite ideal. If yeah. Because <laughs> it allows you to make other stuff and not have to worry about the money. Um, but but if that's the only purpose of your art, if that's the only re- motivation you have, you're not going to create great art, really. And it's going to and it's going to show in the art that you make that that is your motive as well, whether you realise it or not. You can tell, right? Like if you've got your eyes open, you can tell people's motivation for making it or the heart behind something that people have made. Um, I think if you're paying attention and um, yeah, so just make what you love and share it with people. If you want, you don't have to share it with people if you don't want to. Um, And then you'll become more fully alive. I have two primary motivators in my life now. Really? You could technically condense it down to one, but two primary motivators in my life right now are peace and joy. I'm, and I mean, really, that that's the that's the razor edge of my discernment sword. Is it going to bring me peace or is it going to bring me joy? Because if it isn't, I just don't see the point. And there's so much in life that gets thrown at us that doesn't bring us peace and doesn't bring us joy. And for some reason, we feel obligated to endeavor with it because we've been taught our entire lives that labor is the answer to all of our problems, our own labor, to the point where we're breeding generations of narcissists and martyrs 
But if we hone our discernment to just be, to make everything, the point of everything to bring us peace and joy, and that includes your job. I mean, you want to work in an environment that doesn't stress you out or bring drama into your life. And you want to be able to earn money that keeps a roof over your head. That to me is peace. And if you get a little joy out of your work that you have to do every single day to bring you peace, even better. But it, those two primary motivators for me are how I hone my own discernment. And I love the idea of sharing that with people in the form of collaboration more than I get a thrill out of having an audience. In fact, audiences kind of stress me out. <laughs> and we'll see, you know, throughout our lives, James, I'm assuming we're about the same age. I just turned 42 on Saturday. We're probably about the same age, right? Yeah, around the same age, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I just remember being a teenager and seeing artists, musicians particularly, that I looked up to and adored. And they would put out some album and it would be their breakthrough album and everybody would hear about them and everybody would be talking about them. And pretty soon all of us would be showing up to, to school with black t-shirts with the logo of that band on it. And we would know all the words to all their songs. We would live for the moment that MTV would play their videos after school. But then what would happen is a number of different things. The musician would have one hit wonder. They burn out and fade away. The musician would put out a second or third album that was just crap, right? <laughs> <laughs> or in the case of Kurt Cobain, he really just kind of kept producing better and better stuff. And then he got to a point where it was just making him miserable. And we, we know how that story ended. It was a disaster. It was a tragedy. And as young people... We couldn't grok that. We couldn't understand why somebody that successful and talented and brilliant would end the way that he did. But now getting older, we, we get it. Yeah, when I get it. Art becomes all about what other ex people expect from you. It's a misery like no other. And yeah. it becomes not about the peace. It becomes not about the joy. It becomes about fame, which to me doesn't look joyous or peaceful. Yeah. And I think that's, yeah, with Kurt Cobain, I think he was just an artist who loved making music and loved writing poetry and yeah. did it because he loved it. He didn't want to be famous. I don't think he even wanted to be famous. Uh, and when the fame came and all the kind of media and hype and uh, yeah, all the kind of stuff that goes with it, I think he didn't want it. He wanted to escape from that. Uh and he probably got depressed, you know, when he did. He was he, he was he was suffering with depression. And yeah, and that that's a tragedy, you know, and that's really, really sad, you know, and uh yeah, and that's it. And yeah, fame is a different thing from creativity. <laughs> like, Very um fame is not um something that people should be seeking out actively. I think just just do what you love and then if it's successful, then make sure you take precautions to look after yourself and protect yourself because, um, uh, yeah, it's not – fame is not um, – it's definitely not what it's cracked up to be, I don't think. I mean, I haven't got any experience of that, but from what I've seen, um, I don't think it's uh, something that we should be thirsting after. <laughs> 
Right, right. We get we get the benefit of other people's experience and you know, sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. I think what I really like about your work and I, what I really appreciate about what you put out on social media and what you're and what you talk about on your podcast too is that you deal with the subject of grief. And to me, there's no finer point of of emotional expression than grief. There's no better way, better thing to tap into when it comes to expressing yourself than whatever it is you're grieving. And it's so lacking in what we see artistically and creatively produced in the world today is it's lacking emotion. It's lacking that guttural feeling. It, that's become rare when people are really truly expressing themselves. That's become rare in the world to see. I really feel like being able to express whatever is happening for you, be it joy or grief, should be the foundations of creative expression and personal expression. But that's become the rarity because what we're seeing more of now is what is produced to bring about fame and bring about fortune and bring about audience. And we experience that on a microcosm in the social media atmosphere too. Like we start to edit ourselves based on what we think people are going to like based on what it is we actually want to say. So then we get caught in our own little spirals in that way with our own tiny, tiny microdoses of fame in that respect. So we can get a little taste of what that's like. But when we're real, when we're really telling our story, we're really expressing ourselves and we're really touching that part of us that needs to grieve, that's when really magical things happen. I'm glad you're doing that. Mm. I'm grateful for it. Thank you. Thank you. That's really kind. Um, yeah. I've been told vulnerability and sensitivity are my superpowers. So uh, I, I think I, I think that's true. <laughs> um, so just like to finish, like, what, what word of wisdom would you want to pass on to somebody who is struggling with their creativity, struggling with their spirituality? Um, and struggling to find that connection or find their voice? Mm, that is a fantastic question, James. I think the most important bit of wisdom I could pass along to anyone who's struggling with either creativity or spirituality, and probably both at the same time if you're experiencing one, difficulties with one, you're probably experiencing both difficulties with both but the best advice i can offer is to eliminate the voice any other voice besides your own from your own world for as long as you possibly can stand it to some that could come in the form of meditation that sitting in silence with yourself i know a lot of people like guided meditation i'm not knocking it because if it gets you where you need to go, that's great. But that voiceless, formless silence is where you get the opportunity to listen to yourself. 
and your own voice is what matters to you. There's no, no voice more powerful in your life than your own. So when you have a chance to go inward and meet with your true self, that is truly divine. That is truly opening up the divine channel. You're not going to find that by reading somebody else's book. You're not going to find that by listening to somebody else's podcast. <laughs> and you'll, you know, you'll hear about their experience with it, which can be inspirational. But I really feel strongly that surrounding oneself with silence for a bit of time, just a few minutes a day, and really listening to that inner voice is the most important thing you can do for creativity and spirituality. Because anything else is hierarchy. Anything else is somebody telling you how to do it, what to do. And that's not the true essence of personal expression and personal growth. What will grow you is tuning inward and silencing the rest. Brilliant. Brilliant. Thank you. And where can people connect with you and your work? I'm all over the place on social media right now. I'm only active on Twitter. But all of my handles are going to be either at April Klingmeyer, that's A-P-R-I-L-K-L-I-N-G-M-E-Y-E-R, or at Creativity is Spirituality on, I believe that would be Instagram, yes. Um, but to engage with me most directly, I have a Patreon. I post a lot of stuff out to the public, but most of it obviously is going to be behind the paywall. I would love anybody's support who feels that this is something that they want to engage more with. And that's patreon.com slash April Klingmeyer. And uh, that's probably the best place to go for the central hub of all that I do. All my podcast episodes go there. All my long form writing goes there. Used to be more on Instagram. So you can check out the archives on Instagram if that's your thing. But um, lately, all of my long form writing and all of my art and everything that I'm doing, the central hub for that is patreon.com slash April Klingmeyer, A-P-R-I-L-K-L-I-N-G-M-E-Y-E-R. <laughs> fantastic. Fantastic. I would definitely recommend checking that out, everybody. Um, yeah. Well, thank you for coming on. It's been so good to talk to you. Such a great conversation. Um, thank you so much. Thank you, James. I'm so glad you had me on here. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Um, and thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs>